back to the office today for the first time in 19 months yeah tell them about the coffee so i was amazed i was i was a little nervous to go back to the office for the first time in 19 months because i was scared shitless sorry mom mrs davis that i had left like a half drank cup of coffee or like half a subway sandwich on my desk somewhere downtown chicago um and there's nothing there it was two clean coffee mugs i washed them before we left for the last time, March 2020. So I'm impressed with myself. That's something I would have never thought I would ever do. But yeah, I am in a great mood. I am, I guess, probably in the minority. I've been pushing to go back to the office for a long time. Um, not for like my, I mean, I mean, just society in general. Oh, well, I have and will continue to push until <laughs> the day that I die. I am on team, not go back to the office. But you know why yeah. else you're in a great mood? Because we are enjoying a victory Tuesday Woo! night, victory hey. Wednesday, victory Monday. I don't know if you call it victory Monday after we won. No, that's a, a great point. That's victory a great Friday point. makes the whole weekend better. Oh, stress-free weekend. Could watch other NFL games with no emotions, no stress levels. Oh man, I, I don't even. I don't even. And we'll talk about that. But real quick, welcome back to the Dogs of War podcast. You got Kevin, and then you also have Raleigh. Yes. We have a great interview coming up here in a little bit. We're just going to recap last Thursday's game. But what I meant by good point is, yes, the game was last Thursday. And now if you're listening, this day comes out. It's now Wednesday, October 27th, almost a week later. It's still victory Wednesday, Thursday for us, baby. Just because it was a few days early. That's still week seven, baby. Yeah, and you know what I love? Um, I love, and I don't want to jinx anything, so knock on wood, um, being able to depict weird wins. Uh, I think that was the second weird win. The Vikings win was a very weird win. Um, this was a weird win in that the Browns, they scored on their first drive. They kicked a field goal on their second drive to go up 10 nothing. Felt like they were in control the entirety of that game, but then it still came down to like, okay, guys, okay, guys, like we really need you to on that last drive. First off, Case sneaking on it with that uh fourth down conversion i'm like stefanski kicked the damn field goal and it's like my man did it i dude i will hey shout out case i will find stefanski's email and send him something strongly worded <laughs> if we go for it on fourth again and when we can just take the points um but it was weird it was like i felt like the browns dominated it dominated that game but then it's like okay well we won 17 to 10 that's not exactly an ass beating and it just came down to the wire Um, but they did their job and first off i am beyond thankful that they did what they needed to do scrape steal however the hell you got to get a win that thursday night and break break the 
32-year winless streak at home against Denver. We haven't yeah, that beaten was Denver at home since the 80s, which is – Yeah, I was bad. like uh, – and I know you were just kidding. You meant uh, the score was 17-14, Browns, but – It was 17-14? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, it, your, it, yeah, well, it, the bar was getting a little rowdy towards the end of that game. I can speak for both of us there. Yeah, um, I got obliterated. A lot of but, uh, yeah, got to give some credit where due. Case, I mean, did what you're supposed to do. He's been here for a year and a half. He knows this offense. Um, I can't, we've already all read all the art and everything, but we, you can't say enough about the Ernest Johnson. Like that's yeah. gonna be he can go around and tour and give motivational speeches the rest of his life. I don't know if people have really put full thought into this. I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. Um the dude DM'd every team in the AAF when he went undrafted and said, or when he get got cut from Saints training camp, DM'd every single AAF team asking for a tryout, got a tryout, that league folded. He went, goes to the keys and fishes on a friend's Mahi Mahi boat. And then gets to try with the Browns. And then his first start ever is the highest rated running back touchdown, a hundred and some yards. He could tell that story the rest of his life. That his his meal ticket is cash forever. That's just yeah. incredible. Javier, I've I can't tell you the last time I felt happier or just saw such a, a great feel-good story about someone who's just busted his ass. And Stefanski says that's the coaching staff, the players all said this dude has just done everything right. He comes in, works hard, doesn't say shit. Just you can't be happier for a guy like that. I couldn't agree more with you, but I, at the same time, I wasn't overly shocked. Like he had a lot no. of big plays no. for the Browns last year, and you know, Chum, uh, Team Chunt, uh, Kareem Hunt, and Nick Chubb—they get their flowers, rightfully so. They're badass running backs, but Dearness Johnson can make plays, and they haven't really. I, I was surprised that they didn't play him uh, in the Arizona game at all. It's like. I am huge on splitting possessions between backs, like, and uh, you know, hindsight twenty twenty or it hap- whatever happened to Kareem Hunt's calf happened to Kareem Hunt's half. But it's like, dude, you have talented backs, and use the three headed monster. Keep those yeah. legs fresh. Run the damn ball. You got this. Good job. Uh, and it also it took a lot of. Uh, I didn't think on it too long, but. I was tempted to make some type of a Forrest Gump shrimp boat uh, meme, but it's like you can't make a meme for a guy coming off of like a moment of triumph. I'm not even going to say it. Hey, two other shout outs that have to do with that, not just Dearness Johnson. By the way, I was going to, you know, what I was going to say about that movie. Um, no, not no. enough, not enough, I'll tell you after, not enough praise can be given to that old line, first of all. Good Lord. And especially with a shout out Blake, Blake came in and played, did exactly what he was supposed to do. Uh, shut down someone who was talking uh, a lot of shit coming into that yeah. game. That was great to see. Um, you got to give, I mean, this was put on display, obviously, for the entire league being the only team playing that night. I think it's safe to say every other team in the country was looking at what Stump Mitchell and Bill Callahan, what they do together is like, a, is, I'm going to use your word, is like a symphony. The way that guy, those guys have married the running game and that O-line, I mean, it's just – it's beautiful. Not to take anything away from our running backs, especially Dearness, but my God, that uh, we've never had something so in sync and working so great together on this team as far as I can remember. Yeah, no, it's uh, – the interview we're going to get into our uh, Dave Bryant, the Steelers Depot founder podcast, uh, the – 
terrible take. He is a big proponent of O-line is what truly matters. And please, God, let this O-line continue to get healthier and healthier. That win was huge. I mean, we saw in Arizona how when you go into a game without your starting right or left tackle, a lot of shit goes wrong. And the guys on Thursday, they did what they needed to do, got themselves a mini bye week, and hopefully we can go into this game at semi-full capacity. I don't imagine Baker playing, but just protect the guys we got with the guys we got. And God willing, help healthy O line. That we'll get to that in a second about because I by the time this podcast gets out on Wednesday and people start listening to it, a lot of that will already be decided and announced, especially about Baker and everyone. But I agree, I don't think Baker's going to play. Um, I guess so. We'll get to that. Other than that, Jack Conklin's back. He's practicing. Chubb practiced today. We should have the defense outside of JOK for the most part. I think everyone's out there, so we're we're starting to get a little healthier here. Was Newsom back last game? Yes. Okay. Last couple games. Okay. But I was confused he, by a tweet or something where Greedy he, Williams said he had a Coach, couple. Couple what? No, I said he looked. He had a, a one or two like money breakups uh, on Thursday night. Okay. Newsom. Yeah. Whenever I have uh, been watching a lot of games from home or at the game, but when I'm watching at the bar, it's like a different uh, animal. So I'm gonna I'm gonna watch this game more maturely. I'm going to watch well, all Browns games more maturely moving yeah, forward. Yeah, no, we're not. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of people – I don't know a lot of people. I think the majority, if not all of our listeners, we know you guys are not the Twitter eggs and the cesspool that is the one part of Browns Twitter, whatever you want to call it. So people wonder why we don't talk about the the Baker OBJ. Oh, it's because he's been a guest on your podcast. And, but no, it's because we don't – Do people say that? Well, we've uh, people want to know why sometimes we don't talk about more of the quote unquote controversies that ESPN tries to make. And it's because we just don't, they're not worth talking about. It's very yeah. simple. Um, first of all, Baker's our quarterback. There is no quarterback. I, I know people listening to this don't are, know this already. There's no quarterback controversy in Cleveland. Please stop watching, listening to the first two shows on ESPN every morning. They have to get clicks. They have to get lists. It's called ratings, y'all. They're going to say stuff like that because it gets people to click and turn in. Why? I click on it and listen to it because I can't not. There's no quarterback controversy in Cleveland. Anyone with half a brain in Cleveland knows that. Um, it's okay to say Baker's the guy. We ride and die with Baker. That's our franchise quarterback. It is also okay to want him to get back to 100% and go hard for Case because we have no other option. Yeah, no, that's that's 100% true. It's two I, that, Venn you can do two different two things here guys and it's not there's nothing wrong with that. It's not like oh you're you want these are not as I said in the the pregame uh last week this is not Seneca Wallace or Jake Delhome or any of these guys coming out where it's like well yeah this quarterback's hurt we might just go along with this guy depending on how well he plays. No. It doesn't matter if Case comes out and goes 0 for 50 or 50 for 50 with the best game of all time. Baker's our quarterback. So you're allowed to still get pumped and cheer for QB2 while QB1's getting back to, a, you know, at least 80%. I wish more fans just went with the mentality of the guys on your roster are the guys on your roster. This is an Ohio State where you just revamp the roster every single year because all of your players went to the NFL. If there's the greatest prospect in NFL history in the upcoming draft, Guess what? Everybody else wants that prospect. And unless you're winning or losing 
13 games, you're not going to get them. So support the guys that you have. I support them when they're not even on the fucking Browns anymore. Excuse my language, but just, I don't know. Sorry, that no, was a little. No, 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 no. So two things about that. I, you've made you've made that speech once a season, every season so far done this podcast. But and I like it. I'm not saying this is the earliest it's ever come in the season before. Yeah, and we have a. Which is a little, uh, which doesn't, it's just, it shouldn't have to be, but it had it's to like, be. Who does this franchise think they are? They, they were bitching it when we're three and one. Wait, were we three and one? Two and one. We're, uh, I think I'm we got already, the three and one. Yeah, we got the three and one. Probably, anyway, whatever. It's, it's Steelers week. That's all I'm thinking about. Yeah, let's get into this interview. Before um, I well, yeah, but no, it, the last thing I want to say, well, two things that we want to talk about. One, I've said this before. You said this before. Guys, there's no, there's no style points in the NFL. If your quarterback's not doing backflips and throwing with no eyes open like Pat Mahomes, it's win or lose, guys. It doesn't matter. We're going to have some really, really ugly wins. It's just going to be. That's how it is. It's football. It's NFL. There's not this whole notion of it's got to be the prettiest, sexiest passes and 50-yard runs every time. My man uh, in the movie Fast and the Furious, Vin Diesel, it don't matter if you ask any racer, any real racer, it don't matter if you win or lose by an inch or a mile, winning's winning. You got to give me props on that movie, Cole. Come on. So, yeah, no, I, I hear you. Sorry, I was getting. And, no, it's fine. But I, I was never. I, you know, I'm always. I'm never. Oh, wait, wait, you, was it a Ricky Cole. Bobby? I wasn't even listening. Damn it! No, I just quoted Vin Diesel saying it. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, Fast and the Furious. Sorry, I was thank you. To do yes, a, good. I, God I was trying almighty. to do a no look. I was trying um, to do a Pat Mahomes no right, look. Quote reference. Look, last thing we're going to say is before we get into this interview with Dave Bryan, who owner of the Steelers Depot and maybe the most knowledgeable Steelers fan. Maybe just football fan uh, of all time. Yeah, like he always one of our favorite guests every season. I really appreciate Dave because he was one of the first guests that ever gave us a time of day. Our first season a few years ago. Our listeners know him very well. For our new listeners, he's just a great dude. Um, and we last, don't have to talk. It's awesome. He knows more. Like, and I've said that we said this to him on interviews. I always come with like you know, and I I did this. I showed him last last year the list of questions I bring, and I have them in front of me this year. He answers them all before I even ask him. He's the best interview ever. Um, before we jump into this, we got one more thing because we were pretty hard on them and rightfully so because it was a pretty weak performance the first few times. Uh, that crowd showed up Thursday night. Yeah, they did. That Yo, was, Case, uh... Even Case had to quiet him down like the first series. Like Dog Pound, Muni Lot came hard in the paint Thursday night. Granted, we had 12 hours of uh, lubrication, but uh, unbelievable. And I we got to figure out how to do that uh, – Bring the intro noise. every day. Nick, we, we need to make a campaign. Stop playing. Proud to be an American. Stop playing. Hang on, Sloopy. <laughs> Whoever the music guy, girl at the Browns, like that doing the Jumbotron, bring the noise, get people jacked up. Stop playing the which ball is this helmet hidden under thing at the two minute warning. God, I hate those. It's like they, it's like they, they hired somebody to say, hey, let's sedate the crowd. But proud to be an That's American. Fair. That'll get them jacked up. No, it doesn't. No disrespect to the troops. But get people jacked up for the troops playing like uh, Iron Maiden or something. Or just do one of the – you know what gets people more jacked than even anything on the field is when you do one of those surprise homecoming for the military. Or if just a military person in the crowd like stands up and the camera goes on them, the place goes nuts every time. That's it's just it, a no-brainer. Yeah, um, but, but just jacked up music instead of. Crowd. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Throw Metallica or something. Throw an American flag up. We're good. Um, 
shout out to our armed services, past, present, and future veterans, of course. Um, let's get into Jimmy Hendrix, American uh, national anthem type stuff. Uh, hell yeah. I yeah, can't um, play the national anthem twice. We'll brainstorm. We're going to get into this interview with Dave Bryan. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. It's going to be loud on Sunday for the Steelers game in that stadium. So Better be loud on Sunday. Let's go. Can you give me a little sound effect to switch? The Browns are sick. Ladies and gentlemen, we now welcome on easily one of our favorite guests, reoccurring guests, now in his third straight season coming on the Dogs of War podcast, our friend Dave Bryan, who is the founder and owner over at Steelers Depot Steelers, wow, SteelersDepot.com, also co-host of the Terrible Take podcast. Now, I've said this every episode we've had him on since the first season of this podcast three seasons ago, that this man, Dave, he's humble, but I'm going to say it for him. I, I would bet everything I have he knows more about the Steelers and the Rooney family and Mike Tomlin combined. <laughs> that all being said... I want to just describe everything because we have some, uh, you know, new listeners, first time listeners, Mr. Brian, welcome back to the dogs war podcast. Thanks for joining us. Hey, happy Tuesday. Thanks for having me back on again. Exciting week uh, as usual. And uh, too, too much praise there. The only thing that you could have done better is probably introduced me. I was on a uh, Arizona radio show earlier uh, this week and they bumpered me in with Van Halen's Panama. So I thought, man, I've, I've really made it. I've really made it now, but uh, good to be back with you guys. We'll give you the Tim couch song on the outro. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hell of an intro. So happy Steelers week. Happy Browns week to you guys if you guys even call it that anymore my first question dave before we get into the specifics and players and game injuries and all that we usually talk about you know obviously it was a little different on our end at the end of last year between brown steelers but you guys have had so many years before that where it was the other way around my question first question to you in your guys's eyes in, in real steelers fans eyes is this rivalry back yet yeah, I think it is. Look, I mean, uh, you know, the Browns won that playoff game. It was a wild card game. It was a wild card game in Pittsburgh. It was a wild card game that featured uh, the Browns having a banged up offensive line in that game. It was a uh, it was a game that the Steelers, you know, obviously you know, favored to to win. Uh, I don't think there was a lot of people, myself included, that expected the Steelers to go real, real deep into playoffs last year. But uh, I think it was a game that. Steelers Steeler fans, you know, for the most part, ex most of them, I think, expected, you know, to win, whether it be by one point or you know, five points or what, what have you. But, uh, uh, yeah, for the way that what that, that, that game went down and uh, for the Browns, obviously, to be back in the playoffs and not only that, to punctuate it with a win over the Steelers. I mean, I don't see how you can't say that this uh, this is, you know, some uh, a renewed rivalry of sorts, uh, you know, as it was many, many moons ago, obviously, but uh, yeah, I mean, and you look at this game this week, I mean, this game's in Cleveland, this is a game that Cleveland, uh, despite all the injuries and, and the uncertainty with Baker Mayfield, uh, it's still a game that the Browns are three and a half point favorites, you know, to uh, to win, and I and, and I think with good reason as well, too, so yeah, it's it's uh, it's a rivalry, rivalry game at this point right now. The reason I asked that, sorry, Riley, real quick, it's just because, you know, think about it as an Ohio State football fan, you know, our biggest, obviously Michigan's a big rivalry, but they've beat us once, twice in the last, 
know, two decades, I'm off on that stat, but you know what I'm saying? And so after a while, it's kind of like, yeah, it's a rivalry, but it's not fun anymore that you when we win every time. So I was thinking about from your guys' perspective, we always said it was a rivalry, but you know, I have some some of my best buddies are from Pittsburgh. They're always just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I mean, our parents say it was a big rivalry back in the day, but we've never lost <laughs> you guys. So, you know, Ben was the big, the most winning quarterback <laughs> in first energy stadium for like uh, 15 years or so. Like- yeah. Now he's number two right now, but the NFL needs this rivalry back in full force. It was a lot, pretty one-sided in terms of who thought it was a rivalry. And then also one-sided with who was doing all the winning for the last 20 years. So this, this is a better NFL with this, a real rivalry again. So some of the, uh, both the Browns we're coming off of a mini bye week. Uh, Steelers are coming off of an actual bye week. The Browns have been plagued with injuries on both sides of the ball, uh, namely with QB one, which that's uh, that's still very, very up in the air. Uh, the O line is looking like it's starting to come back, and I think that's the biggest component that we're bringing back into this game. Personally, I think that's no disrespect to Chubb more important than Chubb is a healthier O-line. The Steelers, I know that they've been battling injuries, but where are you guys at with an injury perspective going into this game after the bye week? Well, there's no, no, no such thing as a bad bye week, right? You know, especially, uh, you know, when the schedule comes out, you look at it and people say, ah, I wish the bye week was four weeks later or three weeks earlier or what have you. Well, when you get to the actual bye week, uh, 98% of the people probably say, oh man, that bye week probably couldn't have come at a better time there. Uh, that's the, that, that's the case with the Steelers right now. Uh, you know, uh, Ben Roethlisberger obviously have been battling a little bit of a hip you know, and pectoral uh, injury there for a little while there. Uh, we have uh, club uh, groin going on in Pittsburgh uh, th- through the first six weeks of the season. We're we know that like, real well. We, we know that club, real well. We have club hamstring. Right. Yeah, where, uh, you know, er- it seemed like every time if someone went down and was a groin injury, uh, they seem to be back healthy uh, in that aspect. Uh, they just got Zach Banner back off of IR last week. However, comma, he was inactive. Uh, for their game last weekend, quite honestly, the way the, the offensive line is slowly starting to gel, he might not be active again this week uh, as, as well. Now, obviously, they they did lose uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, their their main slot guy, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago for the for the remainder of the season to that shoulder injury. That's obviously a big loss uh, to try to overcome overall. But uh, and they should get uh, uh, second year running back Anthony McFarland Jr. back off of IR. He's probably going to get activated. I would think. Depends on how the bye week plays into that 21-day window. If memory serves me, the bye week does not count to the 21-day window. If it does count, then expect him to get activated here uh, tomorrow. Uh, if it doesn't count, then I would look for him to get activated Saturday, Saturday by 4 p.m. But he's going to be back on the 53-man roster uh, for the game uh, against the Browns. So uh, there'll be a little bit different dynamic, I guess you could say, to whenever Najee Harris has to come off the field there. But uh, that's a long answer to saying that as far as, I guess, overall health that goes with this team, uh, they expect every all every player on the active 53-man roster to be available come Sunday, and then obviously the inactive list will, will, will be whittled off of there. The casual fan knows Najee Harris from football. 
um, the casual fan, and I'm counting myself. I mean, I don't follow other teams religiously that aren't the Browns. Um, you know, I read the headlines and whatnot, of course, and follow the games for fantasy. But for you guys drafted Najee Harris, and people were it was obviously a lot of mixed results and mixed reactions. Talk about what how's he been playing this season, and I, were you happy with that draft pick at first? Well, I come from uh, uh, Team Fungible. Okay, uh, they, they, you know, my my, na- my nickname's Fungible Dave. Uh, I come from the school. I'm an you know, uh, I'm I'm deep into analytics and all like that. So I, I'm a believer that running back, the running back position. I'm I'm the nerd. I think the running back position is is fungible. And boy, I had a great argument for that Thursday night uh, there against uh, in Cleveland against the Broncos when uh, one D. Ernest, uh, former undrafted free agent, ran crazy on 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 the Broncos there. Uh, and you know, overall, I'm not a fan of drafting a running back in the first round. Period. And I, but before this, before they did, you know, have this draft, I said, look, you know, if they do draft a running back early, obviously, sign, you know, there were signs, uh, you know, for for a while that it could potentially be Najee Harris. Uh, I mean, even dating all the way back to 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 the Senior Bowl and all like that. But my viewpoint is, is if you are going to draft a running back in the first round, it better be one that can stay on the field all the time. Better be one that can catch the football out of the backfield. Better be one that can pass protect. Because in four years, you're going to be more than likely you're going to be throwing them on the scrap heap. Okay. Because you're going to have to run the mess out of them. Uh, and just, I mean, look at, look, look at the first round. I mean, just look at the first and second round running backs drafted over the last five or six years and look at how many games those guys have missed. And, you know, uh, look at what you, what you are starting to go through now with, with Nick Chubb. Chubb, not saying that that's, that's going to be chronic with him, but he's missing games. Look what's happening with Christian McCaffrey, uh, uh, these, these last couple of years here on top of it. All right. You ask me how he's doing. Uh, you know, obviously, the the main issue with this team going into this season was the offensive line and continuity on the offensive line. Just horrible to start with. Uh, they're slowly making progress in there, and I pay a lot of attention to run success rates. I think yards per carry is just the worst stat people can quote nowadays. It, to me, it's all about success rates, successful run rates and all. And when it comes to Najee Harris and the Steelers offensive line these last two or three games, their successful run rate is increasing now. You're starting to see it at 50% or more. Which it But what does to. that mean for, for us non... For okay. People? Yeah, just oh, curious. Can I guess what it means? Can I guess what it means? Go ahead. All right, so what Dave is saying is that when you see yards per carry and say it's at 4.6 yards per carry... That stat is skewed by the breakaway runs that the back will get compared to, well, did he get one breakaway on 10 attempts where the other ones he was stuffed at the line? And how do you quantify that? Yeah, that's partly, I mean, look, it it, it can be. You could take 20 runs for a running back, and if he had a 79-yard run in a game on that, and you know what what happened on the other, let's say, 19 runs in there. So that's partly why I think that stat can be skewed sometimes. Here's here's the quick math on on, uh, uh, what makes a successful run, and you can find all this uh, on uh, uh, Pro Football Perspective. Chase Stewart has a great article from years ago uh, on it. I know Football Outsiders uses a little bit different metric but the metric that i use is okay first down if a running back gets 40 percent of the yards needed on first down so first and 10 that'd be four yards if he gets four more yards that's a that's a successful 
run. Uh, okay. Even Joe Joe Thomas has been quoted as saying as such uh, in pa past interviews there. So let's say 40% on first down. If a running back gets that, that amount or more, that's a successful run. On second down, it's 50% of the yards needed. So if it's second and six, if a running back gets three or more yards, that's considered by analytics terms a successful run. If it's second and two and he only gets one yard, guess what? That's a successful run because it puts the offense in a third and one situation, which is a very manageable situation there. I like right? that. I like that more, a lot more. On third and fourth down, you obviously need the remaining yards. So if it's third and six, or let's let's say let's call it third and three or fourth and three, if he gets to three or four, you know, three or more yards, that's a successful run. Now the only the only uh, add in on there, and, and Chase Stewart has this on in his article as well. Any run of six yards or more is a successful run. I mean, are you going to penalize a running back on first and eighteen for for picking up, uh, you know, or, or first and you know, let's make it outrageous here, 25. second and second and eighteen? Okay, uh, so uh, traditionally you'd need nine yards on. You know, we still talk about fifty percent of the yards needed on second down to to be a successful run. Uh, second and eighteen, if he got nine yards, how in the hell can you call that an unsuccessful run? So the the math all breaks down to any run six yards or longer, and then as I mentioned, first down forty percent, second down fifty percent. And third and fourth down, a hundred percent. Once again, pro uh, uh, football outsiders tracks that stat. They use a little bit different metrics than I do, but overall, it's 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 safe to look at. I think there, but that's why I like to use successful run rates, but because I think it gives you a much clearer picture of how successful the running game or and or the running back is. For those of our younger listeners. Uh, that are allowed to listen to this podcast for some reason, this is a good lesson. Stay in school. Excel in math and you can keep up with these conversations, which I did. Same. But. One more plug for SteelersDepot.com is one thing that I appreciate that you guys do. And this is for Steelers and Browns, any fan of any team, is you guys do those insane pre-draft breakdowns, videos, and stats of like every player in the draft. You guys pretty, are pretty, pretty close. maniacal have, with that stuff. We, we do. We have a, you know, we try to put out at least like 220, I think, 240. Jesus profiles uh uh dur during draft season there so yeah that's unbelievable uh, those guys do a great job and, and uh, i've been blessed with some very talented guys of course i do pay for it but uh uh very talented guys and and we are constantly uh you know that 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 gives us a market during the off season for sure dave uh this is something i've wanted to ask you as you do have these pre-draft profiles when i go into the watching the draft or start reading mock drafts there's essentially uh, about a thousand names that i haven't really heard of maybe you've heard of say 10 um keeping up with that in the well you know you're watching you you do Steelers full time where do you find the time to keep tabs on these college teams or is it like fueled by enjoying gambling because I don't know how somebody keeps tabs on the quarterback from Appalachia State. I, I, I will tell you this. Uh, during the regular, it, it is tough uh, because obviously uh, Alex Kazora, uh, myself, Matthew Marksy, my main guys on the site, uh, our number one job is to 
you know, pump out the Steelers content and all. Uh, I am a football fan at heart, though. I can watch any pro game, any college game at any given time because I love the game. I love the X's and O's. Uh, so I pay attention on Saturdays. I'll watch all the key games. Now, I won't. If somebody really catches my eye in there or I know about, you know, uh, you know, you're on Twitter all day, you see guys to watch and all like that, I'll sort of pay attention and make mental notes and maybe jot something down here and there. But I got to be honest with you, I don't get hard and heavy into this thing until after the season's over with. Now, we send people to the – Steelers Depot sends people to the Senior Bowl every year and have for a while. This year, the uh, East-West Shrine game, guess what? It's in Vegas. So I'm bringing, some, I'm bringing some guys out here. This will be the first East-West Shrine game that we cover – uh, this year as well, too. So uh, we'll have people at the Senior Bowl. We'll have people at the East-West Shrine game. I learn a lot about draft prospects from my own guys writing up these profiles, you know, because they're quick, easy reads. I can learn a lot about them. And also, we pay attention. Uh, Kevin Colbert's been the general manager of the Steelers long enough now, dating all the way back to 2000, that there's sort of a pattern there's kind of guys that they, you know, once we get to the combine and get some of the analytics involved, we can start whittling down some of those guys. We obviously got a good grasp on what the needs are uh, for for the team each draft. So realistically, you, you know, I mean, look, I, I, it's, I, I can't tell you everything about every, you know, a thousand players before the draft, but I can probably tell you a good bit about a hundred of them come draft time because of the work that we put in starting effectively at the senior bowl on, on in through the draft and all like that. And just by reading, you know, mock drafts are those necessary evil type things, but, but they help drive traffic obviously to the site. And by writing up some of these draft, you know, mock drafts, you'll learn a little bit about a player and you'll jump on YouTube and open up some tape. Now, look, I'm blessed. I do this full, full time. Uh, luckily I have a lot of dysfunctions that go along with that. And one of those dysfunctions is the inability to sleep. So that uh, helps, you know, that you're constantly constantly watching tape and all like that. So, uh, shout out to my guys too, because, you know, they do such a great job that I learn a lot about these, these prospects during the pre-draft process as part of them writing up those, uh, those profiles. It's impressive as hell. And I can speak for, confidently speak for Raleigh and myself when I say that the dogs of war team will never be able to go out to do a field trip in Las Vegas, Nevada. We, we do not, we do not like them. We lack the maturity to do something like that. <laughs> uh, so good for you guys. Super again, people, it doesn't matter what team you're a fan of. They do a hell of a job breaking these guys down, right. You know, in between end of the season and draft. Um, Dave, I've been dying to get your, your opinion and thoughts here. Someone who knows this team again, better than probably anyone, you know, you guys came out last year, you're undefeated for, you know, three quarters of the season, the end of the year, uh, you know, things kind of fell apart a little bit. Um, and not just saying that because it was us that, that beat you guys. And then you go into this off season, you know, there's talk about Ben and his contract and all of this. What were your expectations coming into this season? I mean, you guys have such a storied franchise, you know, you just lost to a, a team, in the playoffs that hasn't beat you in, I don't know, my lifetime Couch. Um, exaggerating. Yeah. So what, I guess what did, what did you guys expect and say coming into this year, and where are you at right now after you know being three and three here? Because usually when we come to play you guys for the first time, like we're one and five, and you guys are like five and one. Well, I, I'll tell you first and foremost, I, I really don't care too much what Joe average fan, Steelers fan thinks or uh, uh, about the team because most of those you know a lot of fanboyish type stuff that goes on. I'll tell you this: uh, 
even though I thought it was the right decision to 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 bring Ben back this year, I knew what the I knew what went along with that. I mean, this is a quarterback that uh, uh, no longer can extend the play in the in the pocket and has it for years. This is a quarterback that has struggled uh, pushing the football down the field uh, completion percentage on throws of twenty yards or more. I tell you, another key stat I love tracking is average depth of target and average depth of completion. Man, that is those those are very very underrated stats there uh when it when it when it comes to quarterbacks and all and ben for for a while now has struggled uh both in uh attempted air yards you know per 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 pass attempt and then more importantly uh what is completed air yards down the field are and if you look at next gen stats i mean you can go online right now and look at kind of the rankings and see what is uh average completed air yards on and he ranks near the bottom of the league in that i mean uh, i could lay down and be about the far as distance past the line of scrimmage where his average completed uh pass is past the line of scrimmage now you have in today's nfl in my opinion uh, and it's been this way for a little while now. You have to be able to push the football down the field effectively. Explosive plays are a big, big part of uh, of any NFL. All that said, I was okay with Ben coming back as long as the defense could could play at near or at about the same level that they played last year. And also, the running game absolutely has to uh, had to had to improve uh, this year. Uh, whether it be you know by drafting a running back in the first round or, or what have you there, but uh, at no time was I under the impression that well this has a, a potential to be a Super Bowl caliber team in 2021. Uh, in fact, before the season even started, my own prediction for for this team was to go nine and eight. Uh, for the, for the season there, I thought because and my my view of the AFC North in 2021 before the season started would be that all four of these teams would beat the snot out of each other, uh, and that yeah. may that maybe ten win the first team to ten wins, maybe even nine, will will win the division, and that you could still even see two two maybe three teams out of this division uh, uh, make the playoffs. I did have the Steelers making the playoffs at nine and eight. Okay. So, I mean, this is obviously the first season we have with 17 games. Is nine going to be enough to get uh, a team in the playoffs as, as the seventh wild card? I, I think so. Okay. Now let's look where this team is right now. Three and three coming out of the bye. Uh, how the heck they beat the Buffalo Bills. I mean, block punt in there. I mean, it really was, you know, kind of a smoke and mirrors kind of win, but they still count. Uh, you obviously lose a game to the Raiders that you probably thought before the season that they probably should win. Uh, lost a game to Cincinnati that you probably thought before the season started they they probably win. Uh, they did lose, you know, to, to Green Bay. A lot of people probably would have had had that circled uh, as a loss for them. And then obviously there 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 are two other wins coming against Denver and. Seattle, both not overly impressive wins top to bottom, but they did make it to the bye at three and three. All right. So now you coming out of this bye with, with three games that are really going to decide this team's season. Uh, game against the Browns. The Steelers have already lost their first divisional game to the to, to the Bengals. Going down 0-2 in the AFC North, uh, you know, seven, eight weeks into the season is probably not advisable, I wouldn't think, especially uh, uh, the way this division is shaping up. If, however, they were able to beat the Browns on Sunday, their next two games would be against or are what should probably be considered winnable games, although who knows with the Steelers. 
uh, Detroit and Chicago. If this team could get to six and three going into week 10, then at that time you're thinking, okay, if they went 500 the rest of the way, then you're looking at this team being uh, 10 and eight, and that'll obviously get you in the playoffs at that point. So this next three weeks is really going to tell the entire story, I think, of the 2021 Steelers. If they go one and two, and obviously with one of those lo- one of those being a loss to the Browns, oh, it's gonna gonna be hard to recover for that from that. Uh, and obviously if they you know, uh, if, if they go, you know, oh, you know, oh, and three, God forbid. Uh, but I really think this team needs to a take take care of business on Sunday against the Browns, and then win two other winnable games. If they if they can go three and zero oh in these next three games, then you're going to have a lot more believers, I think, in what the Steelers' prospects are. However, if they lose Sunday to the Browns, you know, which is really possible for for for, for multiple reasons. Uh, they almost have to win their next two games just to stay in the thick of things and then try to take care of business the rest of the games in the AFC North. And, you know, the easy – I love that you say, you know, the the opinions of the, the fanboys, just the, the Twitter talking heads and, you know, the, the people that are even below the casual fans. I don't know anything about football. Um, the easiest thing, especially in the AFC North, for the rest of us to do is just say, oh, Ben, he's, he's 50 years old, he's washed up. Because he's been torturing all of us for so many years, and that's just the easiest thing to say. So it was just interesting. I wanted to hear your take on that and you know where he is with you guys. Um, you know, coming into this year, speaking of Big Ben on the offense, it's Matt Canada's first year as offensive coordinator. It's always interesting to me. I like to see how OCs gel and vibe with someone like a, a Big Ben, right? Future Hall of Famer who's been there for 50 years now. Um, what is Canada brought to the offense. Um, any any wild, crazy changes, and how that how has it been working out? Well, look, I mean, you're you're limited by what you have in the pocket there, and you and if you go back and look at uh, Matt Canada's history uh, as a college coordinator, a lot of did a lot of stuff with some people on the move, and that includes the quarterback on top of it, doing some things with him outside of the pocket, rolling him out, uh, those kind of things. And uh, another thing, obviously, a lot of motion, you know, a lot of pre-snap motion was something that we were, were thinking we were going to see a lot of. Well, it's hard to use pre-snap motion past the first half past the first half if you're trailing in some games and you're not able to run the football uh, in a lot of those times. And second of all, uh, you know, is just not mobile I- anymore. You can't do, you can't roll him out 15 times a game. You could do it two or three times and do some, you know, uh, with some levels, levels type concepts on that side that he rolls out, but it's just not something it's going to do. So what, you know, what generally is the best thing to do with a quarterback like that that needs to get the football uh, out quick. It's RPOs. All right. And uh, that's something that I called for three weeks ago. I said, man, this team really needs to go back to being simple here. They need to run a lot more run pass options here uh, and, and try to get their footing in the running game and in a short passes that way and then start building off of that. Well, lo and behold, they did that. And they were able to get, you know, a couple of couple of wins back to back because of that. Now we need to see them kind of kind of bump off of that here. My going back to run success rates, my view all always has been on this for quite a while is run successful early gives you the ability to run successful late in games. So if if you're obviously if you got a good running back and good offensive line, if you're able to run the ball early and get a lead going into the fourth quarter, what are you more apt to do in the fourth quarter of those games? Run the football. And hopefully, you know, you'll be able to kill some clock and 
you know, along the way, the last thing this this Steelers needs to do in any one game is to have Ben Roethlisberger drop back and pass forty times. That is a recipe a to getting killed, which he's almost gotten. You know, he got beat beat you know, snot beat out of him quite a bit in his first you know three or four games there, uh, just by taking the kind of hits that that he took. You got to limit his exposure to opposing defenses, and the way you do that is run the football effectively and use those RPOs and then mix in those shots down the sidelines that Ben likes to do against the cover one type man defenses there. That's it. That's the recipe. And that kind of limits what your offensive coordinator can do. Ben's not one that likes to throw to, to the middle of the field past eight yards, past the line of scrimmage. He hasn't done that in years. It's not shocking to anybody. Uh, I don't think at this point, so you're not going to see a lot of those mill, what they call Mills concepts, dagger concepts, things that develop past eight yards down the field that 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 have the, the you know the route concepts that work towards the the middle of the field. Teams are playing single high safety, whether that that whether that be cover one, cover three, and they almost you know it's preventing Ben from throwing to the middle of the field past eight yards. So anytime Ben takes a shot past eight yards down the field. It's probably going to be outside the numbers. It's probably going to be because of a man-on-man situation in a in a single high uh, type type safety look there. If you're going to do that, you better connect on those passes. And he hasn't him and Chase Claypool. In fact, you know their their best deep threat right now is Deontay Johnson, and he's an ex you know he's the ex receiver uh, there. So they got to start getting more out of Chase Claypool down the field uh, moving forward. Going to be interesting to see what they do in the slot. Now with Juju out, I think they should put Chase Claypool in the slot more. We'll see what happens here. But this is a Steelers team that has to have the perfect recipe every week and every game in order to come away with the W. That means run the football, don't have Ben Roethlisberger, throw 40 times, get a turnover or two by the defense in short fields, and then you know take it to the house. If you don't get all those three three things combined, they're not they're not going to win the game. Do you see a Browns defensive path to success strategy? That's a lot of terms being stacking the box. Uh, what I would do with this against the Steelers is, yeah, I, I, I would, I would count on trying to shut down every aspect of the Steelers short game. And that is, that includes uh, trying to force them to run to the edges, I think. Uh, for starters, and then trying to limit and 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 dare Roethlisberger to beat you down the field. You know, I, uh, plain and simple. I think that's. I think you get after him. I think you blitz Roethlisberger. I think you do everything in your power to get the football out of Roethlisberger's hands in, uh, 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 in a hurry. If the Steelers can stay ahead of the chains, in other words, first and ten. If Najee Harris gets four or more yards, that's a huge, huge win for the Steelers' offense with the shape that they're in right now. So if you can get the behind the chain, second and eight, and then, you know, third and five or more, uh, that's when you get a chance to really let Garrett and, and those edge rushers get, you know, get after Ben Roethlisberger and that, you know, blitz them off the edges, those kind of things right there. So, yeah, I mean, you, 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 the last thing the Browns should come out of this game, uh, with, if they lose is saying, man, how the heck did Najee Harris run for, a hundred yards and have a 55% successful run rate. Uh, you know, 
that's the last thing that the Browns sh- should let happen uh, on, on Sunday against them. If the Steelers are able to run the football, then they'll have a chance to win the, win the football game, especially if their defense is able to, to stop the Browns running game and may, maybe get a, a turnover too. But, you know, obviously the, the key, key for the Steelers in this game is really on the defensive side of the ball. They haven't been great against the run at times this year. And I mean, you know, you just have to think that the Browns are going to line it up and say, "Let's go!" Yeah, here, you know, here's Nick Chubb. Try to stop him, and that's what I would try to do. I, I, you know, you don't want Baker if if Baker plays. You don't want you don't want Baker running away from T.J. Watt. 38 times a game uh, in that game, especially where that shoulder is. And really as, 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 as qualified as chase as, as uh, uh, case Keenum is as well, too. You, you don't want him back there dropping back and passing 38 times uh, in this game. So it's going to come down to who runs the football better in this game and who gets the turnover, the extra two turnovers and the extra two explosive plays. Go ahead and circle that right now. Uh, speaking of, I want to talk about the defense a little bit before we head into our predictions here. I know we're already over on, the time we said we were going to steal from you tonight. So you guys have some former Browns cr- favorites over there. You got Schobert, you got Joe Hayden. Uh, tell us a little bit more about who's been shining on that side of the ball um, and what to expect from a defense that has haunted me for my entire adult life on Sunday. I mean, right now, I mean, quite honestly, it's it's it, and it's been this way for a little while. It, it, it's obviously T.J. Watt and it's uh, Cam Hayward. I mean, Cam Hayward's playing out of his mind. He has been playing out of his mind for a while uh, now. Uh, T.J. Watt's T.J. Watt. I mean, even if you put extra bodies on him, it's tough. They're getting some nice production out of second year outside linebacker. Uh, Alex Highsmith, uh, Melvin Ingram, obviously, when he's on the field, you know, spin move's been very good for him. Uh, Schobert spent, look, I, I, I like, I, I thought the Browns were crazy to get rid of Schobert way back when, uh, when they did. Incredibly smart guy, a guy that killed the Steelers in the past. I think one, I think that game where Garrett, uh, Rudolph, uh, over the head. I think Schobert was just, you know, he had, uh, he had like two or three. Like, yeah, I think I he had two picks. Was, yeah, just owning him. I've always been a fan of Joe Schobert just because he's such a smart individual, but he's not the athletic specimen. Devin Bush isn't playing great so far uh, this season. Uh, they're not producing turnovers, you know, uh, on top of it. And this Steelers team, once again, the only way the Steelers team is going to win some games is to get some turnovers, get some short fields for for Roethlisberger. Minka's had a couple of interceptions go through his hands. He'd like to have back. Joe Hayden's up in in age right now. Uh, their other corner, you know, uh, when he does have to play on the other side, James Pierre. If you know, in some situations, they'll move Cameron Sutton maybe inside to play some nickel. Uh, and if James Pierre, when he's been on the field, he's a talented kid. He just he loses track of situational football and he gets beat up over the top. Over over his head uh, uh, too many times so far. So he's got to play smarter there. But, I mean, the guys to worry about are are, are, are the name guys, and that's Cam Hayward and that's uh, that's T.J. Watt. If you keep those two guys away from uh, your quarterback there, you know, you probably got a pretty good chance in there. Once again, I, I you know, you'd be a fool not to think that the Browns aren't going to come out and try to just take a, a little bit of a rested Nick Chubb and just try to shove it down the middle of the Steelers' defense all day. That's what I would do. I should have prefaced that uh, with who besides TJ Watt. I just kind of assume that, I mean, obviously we just, he's in a different category. So that's, that's my fault for not prefacing that differently. Um, Raleigh, any other questions? 
But you think you you guys get Conklin back? I think uh, this week. We so that, that, that's a plus there. You get uh, you get obviously Chubb back. Not that uh, Dearness uh, could, couldn't handle the load there. And you know, I who knows if Stefanski's playing games with uh, Mayfield or whatnot. I mean, I would. I'd 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 I'd, I'd trot Bay, I'd trot Baker out there and let him take some snaps and practice if it made the opposition have to prepare. You know, prepare for both quarterbacks there, though. But uh, uh, I, I don't personally. I don't think this game is going to come down too much. It shouldn't come back down. If, if it comes down to quarterback play for for the Browns, then I think the Browns have done something wrong uh, in this game overall. Uh, you know, the, so I, I, I put less kind of onus on the quarterback position for the Browns heading into this game because of the state of the 2021 Steelers. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't. I don't think Baker's going to be playing outside of Baker and Stefanski's decision. Uh, the doctors are not clearing him until he can protect himself or brace for impact, I guess, which is tough. Well, to he, do he, he told, well, people, he told Jay Glazer that he can't play until that, bro, that uh, broken humerus gets healed. So no one knows what the hell's going on. But I guess my last question, I lied. Case has been here for a year and a half. He's been under Stefanski. He knows this offense. Like, is it obviously, you know, his arm isn't Baker's arm. Um, and there's a little bit different. There's a little much different style. But is it really that big of a difference of a game plan for you guys? I, I don't think so. Uh, when it comes to those two, heck, you look at uh, look who's who's the Browns' leading uh, pass catcher uh, heading into this game. That would be Eagles one Jones. Green- that'd Kareem be Hunt. Kareem, Kareem, Kareem Hunt. sorry. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. That'd be Kareem Hunt. Who's the second leading pass catcher on this team heading into this week as far as total receptions go? Probably Chubb. David Njoku. Oh, yeah. You Good know, for- and. And, Thank you, Steelers and, guy. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, and look, I mean, you've been banged up at the receiver position, right? Odell Beckham Jr. has been uh, uh, banged up. Uh, uh, Landry's been banged up. Uh, I'm a huge Higgins fan. I don't think they use Higgins uh, near enough sometimes. Preach, in, Dave, preach. Uh, in, 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 in some of them offensive plans. But uh, uh, that's why I think it's less about the quarterback here uh, overall. I think it's exactly. all uh, yeah. I think I think it's all about how you run the football and how you use that short passing game. And uh, I, I, I think Case Keenum's more than uh, capable of running the system that Stefanski's running right now uh, with his quarterbacks here uh, overall. Uh, the last thing I think that the Browns want to do is get in a situation in the fourth quarter where maybe they're behind, you know, six points, you know, two possessions, put one possession on, on, on paper, but potentially two possessions where they might need two field goals where they having to drop back and pass a lot. If you're doing that, then you're going to run in a situation that the Seahawks ran into a couple of weeks ago there. And you know, that, that, that's when, that's when disaster uh, can happen. So, yeah, I mean, it is important overall, I think in a grand scheme of things of, of is Baker going to play? Is he not going to play mainly because of that shoulder? But, uh, if I'm a Browns fan, I, I think I'm feeling pretty confident, even if if, if Case Keenum ha, ha, has to get the start in this one. Let me ask you guys a question real quick here. What what's what's the men, what's the uh, you know, what's the temperature in Cleveland if for some reason they wind up losing this game at home to the Steelers and dropping? I guess you'd be four and four at that point. There, what's uh, you know, obviously you're not sunk. I wouldn't think as a as a fan base at that point, but it 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 would smart a little bit to be at the bottom of the division. I would guess, you know, I after think week eight, there's I think two main elements. One is Baker 
going to return uh, to the field. I mean, I love Keenum, but you can tell that his ball that he throws have kind of a lack of zip, I guess. And I'm like, man, there's a lot of teams that could have picked off uh, receptions that he made against Denver. Um, two, the defense has been so hit or miss, I guess, where they either ball out or they give up 47 points. So if they can get some consistency, I think the bigger outlier is the defensive side of the ball. If they can play to their potential at a high level, that makes you a much different team. I don't care who's behind center. Um, But to answer your question, it almost depends on how they lose. (laughs) You know what I mean? If we lose a, a game where both teams play hell of a game defensively, I think that's a higher outlook or a more positive outlook than if Ben Roethlisberger shit. I don't even know where I'm going with this. Uh, I don't know. It's going to be bad. Um, is, is the cornerback going to play? Is uh, uh, Ward going to play? He's going to play, but he's not having a great year. But my answer, my take to your question. He got shot uh, in the hamstring the other night, didn't he? Pretty, pretty good. Uh, he's, he's been. Uh, that's a That's a whole. But they've also been there. playing. They haven't been playing in man coverage. They keep doing this BS like soft press, and it's like play man every time with him. Like dare somebody to throw him his way. But my answer to your, uh, if, if the temperature if we lose this weekend, um, it really hurts to have our first division game in week seven. So. In my opinion, a lot of people's opinion, the, the real season starts this weekend against the Steelers, against you guys, because um, now we get into division play. To echo you, Dave, if we go four and four, we sunk. No, but then that opens up a whole new slate of possibilities and debates and topics. I will tell you one thing: there is no quarterback debate in Cleveland right now. You've got a couple, the two leading shows on ESPN every morning are just looking for something to talk about. It's called Clicks. You know that. We know that. Mm-hmm. There's no quarterback debate in Cleveland. Baker's our quarterback, but we need him to get healthy. Um, and if we got to do a case till Bake gets healthy, or at least back to you know 80% plus Bake, we got to do what we got to do. Gotcha. Are you hoping for them to go ahead and uh, ink, uh, ink Baker to that big deal? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I want him I want him to retire in Cleveland. Um okay. But he's our guy. It's, he, uh, it, it's, a, it's a tough thing. To, I mean, you look at guys like uh, Josh Allen or people are like, oh, we got to get a real. I think there's a lot of delusional Ohio State fans that are used to college franchises, college teams just completely reloading with a new set of talent. And it's like, well, let's say that there's the Michael Jordan of quarterbacks in next year's draft classes. We're not going to get them. So ride with the guy you have. I mean, if you weren't enthusiastic about Mayfield, which we are, I don't understand how people think you just make a quick phone call when you're GM of a franchise. Like everybody else in the league also wants the star-studded prospect, and people just don't get that. They don't fall off trees, do they? I wish. Not in Cleveland. Um, Dave, one more thing before we get into predictions here. I think – you know, again, you talked about the fanboys and the talking heads. There's no no sane, half intelligent person in Cleveland. So that's me and Raleigh. Um, whatever expect the Steelers to go. You know, a four, people that thought you guys were going to come out and be like four and thirteen this year. I mean, it's still 
uh, no one's snoozing on that. No one with a brain is snoozing on this game on Sunday. I hope that goes without say. Uh, but that being said, we got to do it. Actually, I don't know. I forget, do you not do this to your show? But because we do predictions, can you do prediction or no? Yeah, I'd like to kind of tease it for my 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 That's clan, my clan right. over there on on Friday and all like that. But I, I I'll, I'll leave you at this. Uh, my, my gut, and I obviously want to see what transpires on the injury reports the rest of the week, especially on the Cleveland side of football. Uh, I mean, there's a good reason the Browns are favored three and a half uh, in, in this game. At least they were as of this morning. Uh, I, I see the Browns winning this game from where I sit here right now, and and I really think they have a good chance at covering this one as well, too. Once again, the Steelers have got to have a lot of things go right. Uh, I think the Steelers can win this game, but if they do, it's going to be because they were able to run the football. It's going to be because they had a turnover or two in this game. Who knows? Something crazy like a block punt or something like that. There's just so many different uh, against good teams in the NFL with this 2021 Steelers that there's like four check boxes that you have to have in order for them to win the games. It's not like it used to be. Ben Roethlisberger running around out there, uh, backyard football, uh, two 60-yard completions for a touchdown, you know, for, for touchdowns, those kind, kind of things. It, it, it's not like that anymore. Uh, there's just so many factors on a week-to-week basis that need to go go right for this team. So from where I sit right now, to be quite honest with you, I'll probably end up picking the Browns to win this game and and probably covering as well too but uh, we'll we'll see what my temperature's like come 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 friday there but uh, i i i will be i i i nine i'm 90% sure i'll pick the browns to win this game Raleigh? uh browns 23 steelers 7 <laughs> um i think this is going to be a really stupid score um i want to go right now God, and nothing against our offense, more uh, against because I don't know what this Steelers defense is going to bring. I'm saying 14-10 Browns. Wow, low scoring. Okay. I think so. Uh, Dave, this has been a pleasure as always, sir. Uh, Again, those of you listening, Cleveland fan, Pittsburgh fans, any fans, Dave Bryan, you can find him at SteelersDepot.com or the Terrible Take Podcast. We'll have all his info, contact stuff in the description of this episode. Sir? Again, thank you. You're, you know, one of our first guests ever. And here we are, season three. So appreciate you taking the time again. Uh, for Raleigh, for our guest, Dave Bryant, for myself. Thanks for listening to Dogs of War Podcast and good night, Cleveland. the story goes.